you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. On today's episode, we are going to get right to it. If you missed yesterday's episode, we started breaking down and making our predictions for the Orioles opening day roster. Jake English was on the pod yesterday as we talked about the hitters. We settled on a group of 13 hitters, which I think most Orioles fans would probably agree with. They're going to be on the opening day roster. Today, the little bit tougher task, that is break down which 13 or potentially 14 pitchers will be on the Orioles opening day roster. And we had one half of the Bird's Eye View podcast on the pod yesterday in Jake English. Today, we have the other half in Scott Magnus. He comes back onto the pod. And Scott, first of all, uh, thank you so much for joining the pod once again. Uh, glad to be here. Like I said, love to talk to pitching. I think it's one of the more exciting aspects of the organization. And it's going to be really interesting as we go through this conversation because there's so many different things the Orioles could do, you know, as far as how many pitchers they carry for the first week versus, you know, for the first month of the season, how many starters they go with to start the season and whether that changes throughout the year um, and which guys, you know, might be on the opening day roster and then might be shuttled down after that. Uh, so it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, but I think even with us getting a couple of answers, even today, just to kind of start, there's still a lot of questions to, to be answered about this pitching staff. Uh, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I think we got some certainty with Matt Harvey's contract being selected. Um, and like I said, I think some aspects are coming into focus, but there's definitely a lot of questions. Uh, specifically, I know the two rule five draft picks are kind of in the, all the back of our heads. Um, but we also have to think about also what's, what's going to happen with King, King Felix, you know, looking at the information um, that came out today, um, it looks like he's going to start, you know, in the minors to begin with and try to rehab and potentially get onto this club. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fluid aspect. And, you know, we saw during the Dan Duquette regime that the Orioles use that really, you know, deep minor league, um, you know, roster as it were to basically shuffle through. And I feel like the Orioles are in really good shape with a lot of players um, this season coming in um, that have, you know, multiple options, um, including some individuals that, um, are quite up there in age is the best way to describe it. And and you may not think they have options. Um, so like I said, I, let, let's get started and maybe like talk through it and, and say, you know, what we think um, this seems going to look like breaking the gate. But like I said, it's going to be a fluid aspect of the entire season. Yeah. What we do know is the Orioles are going to carry at least 13 pitchers and there is a potential to carry 14 pitchers uh, on that opening day roster. It might especially have to do with DJ uh, Stewart's health situation as well. If he is not ready to go, it'll make it a lot easier for the Orioles to carry 14, but we'll kind of break down the numbers as we go. But Scott, I wanted to kind of get out of the way, you know, start with the locks, the guys we yep. know that are going to be there and, and, you know, everybody knows, and let's just put them on our board and we'll start with the starting pitchers. And I think right now, at least as far as guys that are in a starting role, I think there are three kind of stone cold locks and four probably locks. So we start with John means he's been named the opening day starter. We know he's going to be there. Dean Kramer will be there as well. We know that. And today, I think we learned that Matt Harvey is going to be in the starting rotation because he was added to the 40 man and the Orioles, you know, picked up his contract as a major leaguer. That fourth guy is Keegan Aiken. He struggled again tonight, you know, just about an hour ago uh, as of recording of this, as the game was on Masson and we got to see him really struggle against the Pirates. So that was kind of my, my first question for you. I wanted to get your thoughts on Keegan Aiken. Do you feel that he's a lock for the rotation? So I think he makes the, the team. Um, it, it might be a situation like we talked about in terms of this ever fluctuating standpoint where maybe he doesn't run down the orange carpet uh, on, on the first game. Um, but I, I think ultimately 
Uh, Keegan Aiken is in your rotation for the majority of the season. I mean, you look at him, 26 years old, um, you know, currently ranked eighth in the organization. It's his time is the best way to put it. Um, if he is going to make uh, it onto the rotation going forward for the Baltimore Orioles, um, this is his chance. Um, and if he doesn't make it into the rotation this season, um, then it gives the opportunity for him to potentially move into a long man role and or into a bullpen role going forward in the future. Uh, Cause there's a lot of folks in the minors um, itching to get into that rotation as well. So I think it's Keegan Aiken. You know, I, I understand it was a bad night for him, but it's one game and one game in baseball specifically in spring training is not going to make it or break it for me. Um, it's Keegan Aiken's turn to basically, you know, get a chance to shine um, in this rotation to start the season. Yeah. We saw him have his ups and downs in his abbreviated part of the 2020 season when he made his debut and, and he's going to get his shot. And Brandon Hyde has said, you know, he's been worried about his fastball command and, and that came up again um, in his start uh, on Thursday night, but uh, you know, he's going to again, get his shot. So, you know, I can think, I think we can put those four down and, and, you know, I think it, at some point and probably to start the year, those four will be in the Orioles starting rotation. The questions come after that. Now, Wade LeBlanc was one option at one point, but he has, you know, opted out slash the Orioles have released him from his minor league deal, have not decided to add him to the 40 man. So although he could come back, he's probably not an opening day option on the roster at this point. So, we know the Orioles will go with at least five starters, potentially six. And, you know, the other options become guys like Jorge Lopez, who I think will be on the roster either way. And then, you know, potentially the rule five guys. And then, you know, there's also Bruce Zimmerman and, and King Felix in there as well. So I want to start with Jorge Lopez. I think he'll be on the roster either way. Do you see him being a starter to begin the year? Uh, I see him as being a long man to start. I mean, I don't think he had a great spring training, but I agree that he's going to be on the roster. He has no options remaining. Uh, Orioles claimed him off of waivers um, in this past August. So like he has nowhere to go. Um, so he has to be on the roster. And I think he's a good add to the roster. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm putting him in, in that fourth or fifth slot as well, um, but I'm probably starting him the season um, as kind of a long man, um, just in case Harvey has an issue, um, potentially bringing in uh, Lopez to basically back up Harvey. Fingers crossed Harvey has a, a great season, but um, I think we're playing with fire, fire there. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, at this point, we don't know exactly because King Felix has started throwing again, which is good. But signs are pointing to him probably not being, you know, say he was the you know fourth starter or third starter. Signs are pointing to him probably not starting that third or fourth game of the season. So when the Orioles are looking for more starters for those first, you know, four or five games, and I know they may not need a fifth starter for a little bit because of the way uh, that the days work out on the schedule. But where do you see Bruce Zimmerman falling in? Because I think with the great spring he's had, he has raised a lot of questions about what spot he deserves on this team. Yeah. I mean, I have Bruce Zimmerman as my fifth starter. I mean, what I've seen from him, his interactions with the team, everything like that, he is my, he's my fifth starter going into the season. And I agree with you that it's going to be, he may get, you know, option to begin the season, but I, I think throughout April, when we have to go to a fifth starter, Bruce Zimmerman makes the most amount of sense compared to the rest of the depth. And I mean, we mentioned King, King Felix, but I mean, King Felix wasn't that great this spring training, still up there around 88 miles per hour. I didn't know velocity isn't everything, but velocity is a lot of things in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to write off Felix Hernandez just yet, but I would say that I have a greater confidence right now in Bruce Zimmerman than I do Felix Hernandez. Um, and, and that's the way I'm going to approach the season to begin with. I would agree with that, but I do think, and I do want to get your thoughts on this quickly before we move on. I think had he not gotten hurt, I think he would be in the rotation at least to start the year. That was my opinion. But uh, do, do you agree with that, that even though how he looked, he would still get that shot? 
I don't know. I mean, it, it, a part of me says maybe, but the part of me also says like he would cost 1.5 million. So like, is he really worth it for 1.5 million uh, to get that shot? On any other club, I'd say absolutely for the Baltimore Orioles, um, you know, af- asking Trey Mancini to defer money. Um, I, I'm a little pessimistic that they would have said, we'll go give it a shot for $1.5 million to see what he can do. Um, so I, I think they would have basically gone to him and said, hey, you need to have an extended spring training and, and see if we can bump that velocity up further. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to at least kind of operate at this point, you know, that, that, that Felix won't be on this roster to start. But as far as starters slash guys, who could be long relievers, you know, you put Means and Kramer and Harvey, and then you have Aiken, Lopez, and Zimmerman. So there's six of the, you know, potential 13 to 14 spots right there. Then I want to kind of turn to, you know, let's at least get the bullpen locks out of the way as well. Because we know there's, you know, probably four or five guys who we know are going to be penciled in there to start. And I would say that, you know, Tanner Scott is obviously one of those guys for the Orioles right now. It's extremely fun to say this, that, Cesar Valdez is one of yep. those guys right now, which it just gets more and more enjoyable. Sean Armstrong, I would say, is has one of those spots as well. You know, he's not going to be your closer, but he's not a mop-up guy. He is kind of the perfect middle reliever, um, and, and he's going to be in there as well. Now, beyond those three, I think there are questions surrounding pretty much everyone else to, to different levels. And I do want to start with Paul Fry because I feel like he is a lock but spring has been really bad for him. So where do you kind of evaluate that for Paul Fry? I agree. I'm not a huge Paul Fry fan, actually, but uh, he does have the the nice thing going that he's a left-handed pitcher. So again, if you have Tanner Scott and you're using Tanner Scott in the role that we all think Tanner Scott's going to be in there, probably in a seventh or eighth inning role, I, I think Paul Fry has to be in there from a situational management. Now, we've got to be understanding there's no such thing as loogies anymore, so you can't just bring in for one batter. Um I'll be interested to see how long Paul Fry makes it. And again, he's got three options. You know, I think Paul Fry is going to be one of those first individuals that are optioned um, and having somebody come up to fill his role um, very quickly on this team. But I agree. Breaking team, breaking, breaking the season. I think Paul Fry makes the season, makes the team, but he'd be the first one I'd be looking at to say, you've been, you've been, you know, optioned to Norfolk and we're going to bring somebody else up. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be interesting for him too, because throughout his career, you know, it is really hard to kind of tell this, you know, there's a lot of lefties where you just watch without even looking at the numbers and you tell this guy definitely gets lefties out at a higher clip. Paul Fry has kind of been a reverse splits guy for a good Absolutely. amount of his career and you don't really see it. You know, it's not something that springs out to you on the screen, but that helps him with the three batter minimum situation, but also hurts him when the Orioles need him to be more of a get lefties out kind of guy sometimes. Absolutely. And I mean, with only Tanner Scott being the only left-handed pitcher, it kind of is like, it's a big question mark. And again, the Orioles are not in a position right now that that's that big of a deal. I mean, if we were a competing club, I'd be much more worried about it. You know, Paul Fry is in essence, a filler for me being almost 29 years old. He's not going to be on this team when they are, you know, competitive going forward. So I'm looking more for other individuals that are in there, you know, we'll call it 25 to 26 years old. Um, and those are the individuals that I'm like, those are the kind of guys that I think are going to carry through the entire season and other folks that are a little bit older than that, I think are going to get Norfolk shuttled for, for other individuals. You know, I think a great example would that be with Cole Sulcer, um, who we saw plenty, uh, last season, uh, in that kind of closer role and everything like that. And I think, uh, he is one just like Paul Fry that, you know, depending on the game, um, and depending on, um, how Brandon Hyde chooses to use him and maybe overwork him. Um, he could quickly be, you know, optioned um, in order to get a fresher arm up as well. 
We'll get back to our conversation about Orioles pitchers with Scott Magnus in just a second. But first, got to tell you about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we know baseball less than a week away, NBA and NHL in full swing, and also starting back up tomorrow, March Madness. We're into the Sweet 16. And the best place to place those March Madness bets is over at BetOnline.ag. But it's not just sports over there. BetOnline also covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV as well. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and best of all, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. That's when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, use promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. And before we get back to the chat with Scott, got to tell you about another new podcast here on the Locked On podcast network it is the locked on today podcast get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast wherever you get your pods and now back to predicting the orioles opening day roster we're talking pitchers with scott magnus of bird's eye view uh, Cole Salser, you know, one of those older guys who's who's got options. And and again, we learned a lot about uh, Cole Salser this offseason when it was revealed that he had that foot injury. And, you know, he kind of said that was a lot of the reason why he struggled down the stretch. He injured that that front foot. He tried to pitch through it. And you could I mean, you be, you can basically go back in the stats, go back and watch. And, you know, you can't really maybe see the actual injury, but you can see when the injury happened compared to when things started to go downhill. Uh, for Cole Saucer, would would you say that Saucer, he was kind of one of the guys I was going to get to next. Would you say that at the very least, you know, he's kind of another reverse splits guy that he at least heads to Fenway Park on April 1st? I absolutely, I, I completely agree with you about that. Like, I think he, there's no question in my mind that he starts the season on the club. I just think it gets into the point of, you know, when we get further into the season, it's a back-to-back series with no games all, or no days off. Um, I could see Saucer being, you know, option. Again, that's nothing against him. It's just, He's a 31-year-old individual that has three options, and the Orioles are going to use that to their advantage um, when they can. So that's five relievers there added to the six, you know, starters slash swing guys. It puts us at 11 pitchers, and we're looking at, at 13 or 14. So the next name you got to bring up is Dylan Tate. I would yep. put Dylan Tate on this roster to start. I think he has more upside than we've seen. I also think he has a floor that is a little concerning. And, you know, we've seen him struggle. We've seen him struggle this spring. I don't think he's going to be a big time strikeout pitcher, despite, you know, him probably wanting to be that at some point, which could be an issue sometimes. So does he have enough on that fastball on that changeup to be kind of a ground ball, multi-inning middle reliever on this team? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, after a, I think Dylan Tate has learned a lot in the past two seasons from a conditioning standpoint, and everything like that. So I think the Orioles have done a really good job with him on the off season aspect, getting him into a really good conditioning routine. I think Dylan Tate's actually going to have a really good big rebound season. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a dominant relief pitcher, but I could easily see him being a decent seventh inning relief pitcher. Um, and at 27 years old, that may be good enough. Um, so I, I'm actually, I think I'm expecting a rebound season for Dylan Tate. So I'm a little bit more bullish on Dylan Tate than most other folks in the bullpen. Um, so I agree with you that um, I, I don't see Dylan Tate being moved around much. And even when he has rough outings, I think they're going to put Dylan Tate out there again, just to, you know, hone his skill and get the experience that he's necessarily going to have going forward in the future. 
We know Brandon Hyde loves relievers that can work multiple innings too. Of course, Tate, Tate was drafted as a starter, started a lot in the minors. You know, I think it's it, it shocks me every time I remember and look up and see that he was the fourth overall pick just, you know, six years ago in the draft. And so that just gets your mind going to a place of, could his ceiling still be a lot higher than we have seen? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think back to, um, you know, this kind of thought and, you know, coming back to the old Orioles organization in terms of drafting um, similar individuals, but also picking up folks off the waiver wire that are that are that card. And the Orioles never really hit. But we've seen over the past few seasons now with the, with the new regime, with Elias um, and Sigma Dell, where individuals have improved dramatically in the minor league organization. Uh, and like I said, during this offseason regime, I think that Dylan Tate picked up certain things. Um, and looking at some of the mechanics that he has out there right now, um, I'm actually, like I said, very bullish on Dylan Tate. I think Dylan Tate is, you know, maybe not going to be great, but I think that uh, he's going to surprise a lot of people on how good he actually is um, with that strikeout to, to walk ratio. So we got ourselves to 12 pitchers now, and here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I do think if DJ Stewart is healthy, they're going to put him on this roster and carry 13 hitters and 13 pitchers. I we think don't you know have that to. Yet. We, yeah, I yeah. think you have to. I mean, I, I think that makes the most amount of sense on a long-term basis. So, like, even if the team breaks during that first few games with 14 pitchers, that's great. It can't last that long. You've got to have four people on a bench um, in, in order to make it through this season. So, um, yeah, it's got to be 13 pitchers at, at the end of the day for the majority of the season. Right. And, and you talk about, you know, I think they could, if DJ Stewart has to spend, you know, a little bit of time on the IL, I could see them starting with 14 until he comes back, but that would probably be about it. So, you know, we are at 12 pitchers and we look at the rest of these options. And of course, you know, there are the guys, you know, the names like Lowther and Wells and Bauman, but you know, Wells has an injury. We haven't seen a lot of Bauman or Lowther. I think they're all slated for the alternate site. I, and, I agree with them. They're all alternate yeah. site folks for me. I mean, interesting players again, or ranks right in that kind of, um, you know, 10 to 20 range, just not the right time for them. Again, they're in that 24 to 25 age bracket. We will see them at some point this season. There's no question about that through Norfolk Shuttle, but it's not the right time for them at this given point. So before we get to the other guys on the 40-man, I do want to ask you this. We've talked about Felix already. Obviously, Matt Harvey was added to the 40-man and Wade LeBlanc was released. Fernando Abad, Marcos Diplon, Thomas Eshelman, and Connor Green. Do you see any chance for any of those guys to either slip onto the opening day roster or be up with the Orioles early before we get to the other guys that are already on the 40-man? I don't see any way they break with the team. The only person I could see is if someone gets injured, maybe Eshelman gets a call. But past that, I, I don't see uh, any chance. I mean, I would say it's, I, I wouldn't want to say 100 to 1 odds, but it's probably like 25 to 1 odds. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have given Fernando Abad a chance at the beginning of spring training just because it's a veteran who's been around. I agree with that. It hasn't but looked good. He yeah, it hasn't looked good. Up. Yeah, I, I don't see it there. Um, I would actually put Felix above Abad, which I'm not sure if I would have said that at the beginning of spring training. Like you said, I would have been like, yeah, Abad will get a, spot, a, a start and, and go from the season, but certainly not the case anymore. So I, I mean, I think ultimately it comes back down to how how aggressive are the Orioles going to be with Rule 5 draft picks? And yep. I think that's, that's the major question of, are they going to carry uh, two, one, or zero? Um, and when I look at this, I say to myself, it looks like the Orioles can carry one, rule five draft pick and i asked myself who is it going to be um and you know we come back and talk about that aspect of long relief pitchers you know the ability to do spot starts i think tyler wells is better suited for that going forward um you know looking at some of the 
organizational rankings before, looking at some of the prospect rankings. I think Wells has, has a higher upside. And I'm not saying it's a great upside. I'm just saying it's a slightly higher upside. I think it's less of a reclamation project. Um, and you can get through a season better with Tyler Wells. Um, and, and that's who my pick would be going forward on this roster. So if I had to fill out the rest of the roster, I'd probably pick Tyler Wells um, and, and go from there. <laughs> yeah, if you're choosing between the Rule 5 guys, now I – it's still a big question. You know, I think they could do any of the three. I mean, they could finagle their way into keeping both. I think that's the least likely, but I think they could keep zero or they could keep one at this point. And I would agree with you. I think Tyler Wells is the better option for three facts. One, he's been kind of a higher ranked prospect throughout his time Two, he frankly, just from watching has more electric stuff than Soroller and three, he's been much better than Soroller in spring training from when he's been in an oral uniform and I know Max Soroller is Ben McDonald's nephew. And, you know, that's not nothing. I'm just going to say that's not nothing. I know it does. It shouldn't be something. But the fact that your uncle is in the building so often and is, you know, a former number one overall pick and, you know, probably is trying to tell people, you know, he's better than this. He's got this. He's got this. Again, I don't think it, it gets Soroller on the team. I'm just saying it's not nothing. But I would say Tyler Wells has the better shot. And, you know, it, it, but it would be interesting because I still think there's a situation where for the second straight year, they send two rule five pitchers back without ever pitching a game for the Orioles. And that's definitely a possibility. And again, I think it's foreign to us as Orioles fans. Cause we're just like, well, rule five pick is going to make the roster. Um, but you're absolutely right. There is a, there is a chance that, you know, Wells and Soroller don't make the roster whatsoever. And the Orioles just go with, we're comfortable with folks that are in our organization. I mean, you look at it and we, we talked about a few names there specifically from a depth standpoint of Bowman, Lothar and Wells, and you do have some decent depth there to kind of fill it out. The question I would raise is like, if you get Tyler Wells and he's not going to be a, a, a major contribution for your team and you do are able to get him through the entire season and he comes into your organization, do you think Wells is going to be a dramatic enough impact for you going forward in the future um, that it, it helps you significantly going forward? And I look at the depth as it relates to the Orioles pitching um, and again, rated, you know, number seven by major league baseball pipeline. And certainly you've got a lot of interesting prospects here and I'm not sure Wells moves the needle significantly enough for me um, to say, yes, you absolutely have to keep him through the entire season. So I do think the Orioles start with them, but I also don't think the Orioles are going to say we have to keep them on the roster like previous organizations have. Um, I think they could quickly say, we want to see him a little bit more get into major league situations and see how he does. But if it doesn't work out by the end of April, we are going to send them back to the previous team and just go from there. Yeah. So two guys we haven't mentioned. One is Isaac Matson. I think he'll be an Oriole at some point this year, but I see him starting at the alternate site, you know, obviously has plenty of options. Hasn't been to the big leagues yet. The other guy we haven't mentioned is Travis Lakins, who I think yes. is kind of in a very interesting spot right now. So, you know, we haven't committed to Soroller or Wells onto our, you know, imaginary roster yet. So we're still at 12 guys and it basically comes down to Soroller, Wells and Lakins probably at this point. And, you know, Let's let's give the scenario where DJ Stewart's healthy to start the year. He's on the team. They've got 13 hitters. They can only carry 13 pitchers. You have to take one of Lakins, Soroller, and Wells. Do they take a chance on a Wells, or do they send them both back, you think, and you know start the year with, with Lakins on the team? Uh, you, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Lakins. I, I'll just be frank with it. I mean, I've, I've watched him. I don't see the it. Um, so me personally, I'd roll the dice and just say, you have enough other individuals in your bullpen that have options, whether it be Tanner Scott, Dylan Tate, um, Paul Fry, uh, to basically move folks around. Um, 
I would, in essence, say, Travis Likens, it was nice knowing you. Thanks for your contributions. But we're going to go with Tyler Wells just to see what the kids got. Um, and I say the kid, but Tyler Wells is actually the same age as Travis Likens. But it's, <laughs> it, it's that senior that really bothers me, is right. the best way to put it. Um, but like I said, I've seen enough of Likens o- over the past season that I'm like, I, I don't think we're going to get any more where I want to see Wells over a prolonged period of time, um, if it were me. Yeah, Travis Lakins had such an interesting 2020 season because yes. the eye test is like he's at best a major league average reliever when he's at his best, and at his worst, he's tough to watch. Yes, but I believe was the ERA sub three last year. The I ERA, mean, the ERA was really good, but again, he's, we, he's we've such got, an interesting pitcher. We've got to be careful with this aspect of ERA and, and relief pitchers, and we all know this. It's 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 it was a short season, uh, and I, I, I can we have to look at K versus 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 walks and again i just look at it and i'm like he doesn't have the stuff is the best way to put it to be a dominant relief pitchers and that's what i'm looking for is i'm not looking for is he going to be able to contribute for the 2021 season i'm looking for is he going to be able to contribute for the 2023 and the 2024 season and i look at it and i'm like that's not a guy that i could see forecasted uh on this team in 2023 and 2024 and i think that's what folks like elias uh, and sigma Dell are looking for and that's why I'm so excited about the season is I look at this pitching, you know, rotation. Um, and I also look at the bullpen and even the folks that are in AAA. And I get really excited because I'm starting to see the fruits of the labor is the best way to put it. Um, and again, it's not going to be perfect this season. I'm not expecting perfection, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And, you know, it, it even comes back down to, I know we're talking about the beginning of the season, but, you know, by, you know, halfway through the season, July, August, you know, we could be seeing someone like DL Hall come up for, for a few starts, and that's going to be extremely exciting. Um, so, again, we are going to see a lot of um, whether the Orioles have enough in their reserves right now to potentially be a competitive team. Uh, not this year, probably not next year, but in 2023 and 2024. If we don't see anything this season, uh, then the rebuild is going to take a lot longer than we all are expecting. So we'll finish up on our conversation with Scott Magnus in just a second. But first, we've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is a good one in the enticing eight with a spot in the flavorful four on the line. Cookie dough chunk taking on birthday cake. And I got to say, while birthday cake is delicious, I got to go with anything cookie dough. I'm taking cookie dough chunk in this one. And if you want to vote in this matchup and all the other ones in the bracket, you can go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter to cast your vote. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. One more thing before we get back to our chat with Scott. The Locked On MLB Division Preview Series continues on Locked On MLB today. Every episode from now until March 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right now. Follow Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to our talk with Scott Magnus as we finish up talking about which pitchers are going to make the Orioles opening day roster. And, and I think that's the target year for a lot of people. It's the target year I talk about on this podcast all the time is 2023. 
But uh, so, you know, we've kind of run down our, our 13 pitchers, you know, going into this podcast, actually, Scott, I would have put Lakins in that spot and sent the rule five picks back. But you make a good point because you have the potential to see what you've got. And, you know, despite Lakin's ERA, I agree. Just from watching him, he just it seems like doesn't have the stuff. And I would take Wells over Soroller. You know, he's six foot eight guy coming, you know, two years removed off of Tommy John. Nobody really knows what they're going to get from him in real game scenarios. Give him a chance, you know, throw him out there and uh, he becomes your 13th guy. So to, to run down the names we have uh, put as our 13 pitchers, just going in alphabetical order, Aiken, Armstrong, Fry, Matt Harvey, Kramer, Lopez, Means, Scott, Solcer, Tate, Valdez, Wells, that's Tyler Wells, and Zimmerman. So, you know, last thing before we go, whether it's a Tyler Wells doesn't work out for a month and they send him back, or it's a, you know, we're shuffling guys with the Norfolk shuttle, or it's a, you know, a reliever gets hurt. Who do you think are maybe the first name or two uh, that the Orioles turn to outside of those 13 that we've put on the opening day roster? The, the kind of the first names they turn to to help the bullpen when they need a, a fresh arm in Baltimore. So I, I think Michael Ballman is one of the first ones that I would go to immediately and just see it. But I would also say Alexander Wells kind of made a big impression last season. Um, you know, personally, I'd probably go Ballman over Wells, but Wells was really interesting to me. Um, you know, Wells is deep in the organization from a prospect rating. I mean, in the 30s, but there was something about him that intrigued me for a relief pitcher. I don't think he's a starting pitcher, but I think he's a really intriguing relief pitcher for myself. So um, my first name would be Ballman. My second one would be Wells. Matson doesn't really do much for me, honestly. Um, I'm okay with it if they make that decision, but I would love to see Ballman come up and just see what he can do. Yeah, Matson doesn't have all the huge stuff, but he gets guys out. Um, he it's, does. It's, it's an interesting watch uh, for me, and uh, I'm intrigued by him. You know, I haven't seen anything that's blown me away, but I, I'm definitely intrigued uh, to see him as a guy as well and, and looking forward to kind of – seeing all these guys. And then the very last thing real quickly on the outside chance that they do some roster shuffling and Felix isn't as hurt as we think. And they want him to make, you know, a few starts at the majors just to see what they've got in them, you know, or, or whatever it may be. Who do you think would get the boot off this roster? If they did bring up Felix, would they, you know, just send an optional bull guy down or do you think they would, you know, cut the ties with, with Jorge Lopez or, or what do you think that kind of first move would be if it was, you know, not opening day, but pretty early that Felix was added to, to make a, a few starts. So I think it's either going to, I mean, I would think that Jorge Lopez, it's going to be King Felix for Jorge Lopez is probably the most likely move. Um, it, it could also be, you know, if we're doing extended spring training with King Felix, it could also be Tyler Wells. I mean, if, if Wells does not work out, um, it makes a lot of sense to lump Felix into that position that Wells was in um, of, uh, you know, a long man slash, you know, maybe a not super competitive situation. Um, again, the money thing is the only thing that slightly bothers me. Matt Harvey certainly did enough this spring training to make me say, yep, he's worth 1.5 million. I just don't know if the Orioles are going to see enough to basically say we're willing to take a risk for 1.5 million um, because what do they really get out of it is my question. Um, but we'll see, like I said, but Jorge Lopez would be my first indication of saying he's probably gone if Felix does make the roster somehow. And there's also just the baseball fan in me and in many that want to see Felix. Oh, every, in every, everybody wants to see King Felix pitch. They want to have King's court uh, out in left field or in the bleacher section. Uh, there's no question. It'd be a great story. Um, but we've got to be, be reality. And we can look at the radar gun and say, it's probably not going to happen. Um, 
And there's probably going to be some really tough conversations with Felix Hernandez of like, is this truly the end? Or do you want to continue on this journey of looking to find another place that can be a home for you? Um, because it, it just doesn't look like he's got anything left in the tank. Yeah. And if there is an opt out for him, potentially he, you know, that deadline I believe is, is this Sunday. So there's still time for him even to opt out before it comes to opening day. Although it does sound like the way they're talking and about his injury that he's yeah. going to at least stay and maybe go to an extended spring training. Yeah. I don't see any team interested to basically say, we're willing to sign you and bring you on to, onto the team. I mean, I think he's in his best scenario right now to stay with the Orioles. He may opt out at a later point in, in April if the Orioles don't bring him onto the roster. Um, but at this given point, you know, I think that's a conversation for a few weeks down the road. I'm also reminded of, you know, a, a classic Buck Showalter quote um, as it relates to roster management. He's like, these things have a tendency to work themselves out. Um, so there is more than likely someone that's going to get hurt that we don't want to be hurt, uh, like a John Means or Dean Kramer or Keegan Aiken. And then sure enough, uh, that spot is going to be filled by somebody else. Um, so uh, like I said, I'll, I'll go with the classic Buckshaw Walter standpoint of uh, things have a tendency to work themselves out if they need to be worked out. Yeah. And, and for Buck, especially when you can find something else wrong with Steve Pierce's wrist, um, absolutely they, they seem to, to work things out <laughs> even more, but uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on and, and breaking down the pitchers. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. You know, we're less than a week away uh, from opening day, less than a week away from finding out who the 26 guys will be that, that head up to Fenway park and, and we know that those 26 guys could and, and have a good chance of being different seven days later when the Orioles return to, to Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Um, but definitely an interesting topic to bridge and see who, uh, who these arms are going to be for the 2021 Baltimore Orioles. Absolutely. And like I said, it's not just for 2021, but it's for you know future years, like you said, for 2023 and 2023 and 2024. Uh, a really good opportunity this season just to watch that aspect of K versus walk ratios, who's got the command, who doesn't. And like you said, it doesn't have to be electric stuff. It just has to be good enough to get people out. So it'll it be a really interesting season to watch the, the baby birds come up and uh, flourish. Well, Scott, I believe the spring training game might still be going on. Yes, it is. Uh, so get back and uh, enjoy some, some Scott Garceau um, and the rest of the birds. I, I will do so. And I'm eagerly waiting for Kevin Brown to return to the airways. So it was Aren't nice talking to you tonight. <laughs> you too, Scott. Have a good one. So our thanks again to Scott Magnus, the co-host of the Bird's Eye View podcast. Him and Jake English host that podcast once a month in the offseason and once a week during the season. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts, a really good pod talking about the O's. And uh, we thank Scott tonight for joining to talk about pitching. Again, a little more of an in-depth conversation than it was yesterday with Jake English. Uh, if you missed that chat with Jake yesterday, go back in the archives to our last episode. We talked about which 13 hitters would make the Orioles opening day roster. Tonight was the 13 pitchers. And it's really interesting because even at the beginning of spring training, I was talking like there was no chance for either of these Rule 5 picks, Tyler Wells or Max Soroller, to make this opening day roster. I still don't think Soroller has a great chance, but I think Wells is potentially playing himself into a spot. And I think that big you know, discussion about who's on this team has to do with Felix Hernandez's health and when he'll be ready and how much the Orioles trust him. And then the other thing is, you know, a guy like Travis Lakins versus a Rule 5 pick like Tyler Wells will definitely be an interesting conversation for the Orioles as well. And, you know, they've got five, six days to make it, less than a week until opening day at this point. Uh, but it should be interesting to uh, watch them try and figure out who those 26 guys are going to be that head up to Fenway Park on April 1st for opening day against the Red Sox. And as we talked about with Scott, those same 26 guys, probably a good chance they're not the same 26 that are at Camden Yards a week later uh, for the Orioles' home opener on April 8th. So definitely something to keep an eye on. 
But we will be back with you here on the pod on Monday. We're going to do another mailbag episode one day next week. So if you want to get in some Orioles questions about the roster or anything leading up to opening day, make sure to email us your questions at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us or DM us your questions. You can send them to me at Connor Newcomb underscore on Twitter or to the podcast account at LockedOnOrioles. Also remember to subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a a rating and a review on Apple Pods uh, if you can as well. That really helps us out over here. But we will be back on Monday as we get closer and closer to opening day. But until then, this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.